Well, it's that time of the year that Barbara Walters has her 10 most fascinating people. You have all these lists, the 10 most blanks of 2015 or the five most or the first, number one, whatever it might be. And people begin to remember. You remember the fads of 2015? You remember the, the, the news stories, the tragic ones, the, the joyful ones? And we, we are brought to these points every time we come to the end of the year, this week after Christmas. And we remember of the highs and lows in our own lives. And I know there are many of you here today who, who suffered highs and lows, or suffered lows and experienced highs, I should say. Maybe it's the hurt uh, of losing a loved one this past year, and there's, a, there's grief attached as you reflect on 2015. Maybe on the other side of the spectrum, you've experienced life in a fresh way in 2015. Maybe you've cried hard, laughed loud, or hurt deeply. And this new year, this time of the new year, does cause us to reflect. And we begin to wonder, what's, what's 2016 going to look like? Next week, we want to talk about how to look ahead a little bit more and what things we need to look to. But I want to talk about today the, the importance of pressing rewind. It, it is hard sometimes. It's painful. But it's important. Because when we press rewind in our lives through the eyes of, of what God has done and that he is true and good, we can find comfort through our hurts and we can truly give him glory through all of it. Now, you remember back in the days when there were VCRs and you remember going to Blockbuster. Remember that? And you used to rent a, a, cassette, a, a tape and you'd watch a movie. But what did it say on the label there? Be sure to rewind. And if you turn in a movie without pressing rewind or rewinding it all the way, you, you get charged. Right? Isn't that crazy, right? Because what they didn't want was someone to put in the, this tape in their VCR and in the middle of the movie and like, oh, I told you this is a, you know, this is a spoiler because someone didn't rewind it all the way. You know, they, they want people to see the story from the beginning so they can see what's going on. And, and the truth of the matter is, we need to press rewind so we can see the story this past year from the beginning. And ultimately, we can see it unfold. And when we see it unfold, we can remember, man, God, God's hand has been over it, no matter how hard it's been. And when you're reminded of your story, you can then begin to tell others of what God is doing in your life. You see, reflecting on God's goodness can resurrect gratitude in even the darkest and most wounded of hearts. And your heart might be dark right now. It might be wounded. And my prayer as you press rewind, God would resurrect gratitude because gratitude is God's cure for an embittered and weary soul. It really is. Thankfulness puts to rest a lot of our, our anxiety, a lot of our anger and hurt. And we're able to experience healing through it. As I think about 2015 here at the Brook, there are many fun things that have happened, a lot of interesting things. And I think even from this pulpit and what we've preached, we started our year in the book of Ephesians, talking about what it means to be rooted in our faith. We looked at a series called God, Sex, and Relationship from the book of Song of Solomon. That was a fun series, a challenging one, but a fun one. We did a series on prayer called Conversations with God and what it means to cultivate a prayer life. 
We looked at what it meant to give 100, give your all for the sake of Jesus' name. We looked at some psalms from the book of Psalms. We called it Selah because these psalms are God's playlists for the rhythms of life, whether hard or good. We did a series on manhood called Remnant Rise where we, we called men to, to live according to the design that God has for them. And all these messages are on our website, thebrookshy.com. Check them out and press rewind of the things that God has taught you this past year. But as I think about the brook, I also think about our real communities. We started the year with two, and now we have three, one in Dunning and Portage Park and in Montclair. That's an exciting thing. I remember reminded of the baptisms, the people who've professed their faith in Jesus and entered the waters of baptism, which declares that, hey, I'm a new person. I died, and now I'm alive again because of Jesus. I think of the child dedications, the the parents who came on this stage with their children and said, I want my child to grow up knowing Jesus, and I want you to help me with that. I think of this summer and the the picnic, the neighborhood game days at Bell Park. I, I think of our women's retreat this past uh, spring, the men's retreat, and even our youth had an opportunity to get away. Fun times for sure. Our 100th service at the church. Our two-year anniversary this past October. It's important to remember, man, God, God, you've done a lot this year. And with each of these things, there are different people and faces attached to them. And we thank God for all that he's doing. And some of you came this year. You're saying, yeah, this 2015 was the year I met many of you, and we're grateful to God for that. We need to press rewind in order to stay the course as well. We know this is politics season, and different politicians will rise and fall over the next few months. Some won't be able to stay the course in their campaign. We see that in sports. Sometimes your team gets hot, and you think this is it, and then they fall off in October. guys got that? And there, there are other times in life we've got to stay the course. We, we've got to say, all right, life's going to have its ebbs and flows. There are going to be tough times. There are going to be good times. But how do we stay the course? And so what, what I want you to see is as we press rewind, I want you to set your eyes on Jesus. We talk about this often, but this is, our, this is our hope in life. Set our eyes on what Jesus has done. And when we do that, he can see you through the storms and the sunny days of life. Jesus can bring you through the storms and the sunny days of life. You know, looking in the back is kind of like uh, looking through the rearview mirror of your car. When you went to driver's ed, the first thing you learned was to check your mirrors. You get in the car, you put on your seatbelt, you check your mirrors. Make sure they're in place because it's important to know your surroundings. But you know if you try to drive through looking at the rearview mirror, you're going to get in an accident, which is why you have this massive windshield in front of you. It doesn't mean that the mirrors are less are unimportant. It just means you got to look ahead, and every so often you got to glance and check the mirror behind you, just so you can know what's around you. And the same is true in life. We've got to look ahead with our eyes set on Jesus, and every so often look to the past and see what He has done. And see, the Book of Hebrews tells us about this, and we're going to find ourselves in the Book of Hebrews, chapter ten, this morning. Would you turn your Bibles there? And again, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. We'd love for you to keep that Bible if you don't own one. It's our gift to you. What we're going to see 
is what God is calling us to do and how we set our eyes on Jesus as we look ahead to 2016, but remember 2015. And this is page 1007 in your pew Bibles. Hebrews chapter 10. Now I'm going to read this portion for us. This was read earlier. I'm going to read verse, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. This week we'll look at verses 19 through 23 in particular, and next week 24 and 25. But I'm going to read it all right now for you guys to get the text in front of us. And this is what God's word says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, a great priest, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful." And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, in life storms and sunny days, you can put your confidence in Jesus. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews starts out here saying. He says, therefore, in verse 19, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, he says we get to do three things. And you look at verse 22, let us draw near. And in verse 23, let us hold fast. And verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another. So because of what Jesus has done and given us access to the Father, we can then live life in these particular ways. But what I want us to do is zero in for a moment on what Jesus has done to enable that kind of life. He says, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to pause there. It's an interesting statement. He mentions the holy places. And the book of Hebrews is written almost as a commentary to the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. And the book of Leviticus lays out God's standard for sacrificing to him in worship. Now the Jewish people in in God's old covenant used to bring a lamb without blemish and sacrifice it before God and let the blood spill so as to cover their sin. And this is something that was done once a year and it was called the Day of Atonement. It's Yom Kippur. And once a year, the, the great priest, the high priest, he's the only one allowed, would go beyond this curtain in the temple or tabernacle, depending on when it was. And in that place, he'd offer this sacrifice for all of God's people. But as we know that lambs and bulls and goats, they could be without blemish, but their blood was not adequate to permanently cover the sins of God's people. See, death had to happen, but their death wasn't sufficient. So because of that, every year, the high priest would have to go back on Yom Kippur, on a Day of Atonement, and offer these sacrifices to cover the sins of the people. And the Jewish people did this year after year. But what the writer to the Hebrews tells us, and as we see 
early on in Jesus' life that he's called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. Jesus is like God's Lamb. In perf- he's perfect. He has perfection. Now, the difference between Jesus and bulls and goats is Jesus was a human. He was a man like you and I. So therefore, because he lived a perfect life, his death and his blood was adequate to cover our sin forever. That's the beauty of it. Look at verse 3 of the same chapter. And here the writer is talking about these bulls and goats. He says, but in these sacrifices, there there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. But here Jesus, it says, entered into the holy places, as it were, and he shed his blood, the perfect sacrifice. You see, the people of God needed to offer a sacrifice because their sin was hostility toward God. It, was, it ref- represented their rebellion against God. It's, it's who they were. It's what they did. And apart from that atoning sacrifice, they could not know God, truly. They couldn't have a relationship with him. And so here we look and see Jesus has entered into that holy place as God's perfect lamb, shed his blood so that through faith in him, we can be forgiven once for all time. That's the beauty of the hope we have. And here the writer says, now we can have confidence to enter into that place. Because in that place is where God's presence was. Jesus made possible a way for you and I to enter into God's presence without condemnation. One writer says this. He says, on the basis of these insurances that we have boldness to enter because we have a living high priest, we have an open invitation to enter the presence of God. The old covenant high priest visited the Holy of Holies once a year, but we are invited to dwell in the presence of God every moment of each day. When we think of the storms of life, we can find uh, peace and comfort in knowing when we are a child of God, that God invites us into his presence, and in his presence we can experience fullness of joy and strength, all because Jesus has spilled his blood by dying on the cross for you and for me. He is that perfect sacrifice. The writer goes on in verse 20, and by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Jesus stepped in through his body and gave us a way to God. What's interesting is that there's no back door into heaven. There's no, man, I barely got here mentality when you get to heaven. It's either you are a child of God who enters by the blood of Jesus, putting your faith in him, or you're someone who has not done that. And here, the writer to Hebrews tells us that we have hope and joy in life and forgiveness because Jesus has spilled his blood on our behalf. And he has satisfied the wrath of the Father and given us eternal life. We don't barely make it like a school exam when you pass with 1% higher than failing. It's saying you are a child of God and you have access to the presence of God for eternity through faith in Jesus. This is the new and living hope that we have. When we think about this past year at the women's and men's retreats in particular, 
what has, been give, what has given us great joy is to hear the stories of the ways God has transformed many of your lives. There are some of you who were enemies of God before you went to the retreat. And God moved in your heart. And you confessed your sins to God. He said, Jesus, I believe you died on my behalf. And because of that now, you went from an enemy of God to a daughter or son of God. And this is the new and living hope that you have because of the blood of Jesus. And here the writer of the Hebrews tells us we can have great uh, comfort and confidence because of this. It is a new and living hope. Jesus, our great high priest. But the beautiful thing is Jesus doesn't have to die continually because of his perfection. He died once for all. Look at verse 11 through 14. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus has made a way once for all. His death was decisive. He, Jesus has, doesn't have to keep coming back and dying repeatedly for you and for me. But he is perfect God, truly God, truly man. And he's given you access to God the Father. People often ask me how, how burdensome sometimes being a pastor can be. And, and um, I, I love God's call in my life. I would want nothing different. I love knowing you guys. I love hearing your stories. I love seeing what God is doing. But as I was thinking about this, the the one thing that gives me the greatest burden as a pastor is that you would know this good news. That when someone says, how can I be a child of God? That you can open your mouth and tell them what's called the gospel, the good news. That's my greatest burden. And as I was reflecting on preaching this morning, this is why we came here. I want you to know and be able to tell people, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful person. God is a perfect God, and his wrath is directed toward me. You can tell them, but the good news is this, that Jesus went in my place and was my substitute. And God's wrath was poured on him instead of me, and because of that, I'm accepted by God when I put my faith in Jesus. And I get to turn from my sins now and live in victory. I want that to be on your lips. I want you to be able to tell people. That's my greatest burden. Because I don't want you to come on a Sunday morning just to feel better. Because sometimes you just can't feel better just for for feeling good. But but you need to, to, to have your mind renewed in the truth of what God has done for you. And yes, I truly believe when you reflect on God's work in your life and saving you through Jesus, then you will experience joy and forgiveness. And if that makes you feel better, then praise God, that's what we want. But we're not here to give a motivational speech. We're here to point you to Jesus, whose blood was spilt for you who is your high priest and who offered a once-for-all-time sacrifice. I want you to be able to talk about that. That's my greatest burden for you guys, that Jesus would be on your lips and his death and resurrection would be your hope. The writer to Hebrews says, this is where we're at. And as you look back in this past year, I want you to think about 
God's grace and mercy in your life. And since we have confidence to enter his holy place, since we have a high priest, what do we do now? Well, here he gives us three things, two of which we're going to look at today. First, he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance. Can you say full assurance? Full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In light of Jesus and his sacrifice for you, the writer to Hebrews is saying, you can now draw near to God. You could stand before a perfect and holy God and not be damned at the moment. We deserve that, but God in his grace offers us access to him. This new year, I want you to draw near to God as you've never drawn near to him before. I want you to pursue him. Why? Because you have access through Jesus if you put your faith in him. I want you to know him in that way. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that's in prayer, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can do this because it says we've been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies are washed with pure water. See, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes in every child of God and he purifies us, he cleanses us. And you may not feel very clean and pure, but if you put your faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God has what's called sanctified you. You are holy before God's presence as you are striving to walk in purity throughout your life. Titus 3.5 says that he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, you can't earn your way to heaven, but according to his own mercy, by the washing, can you say washing? Washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You are sprinkled clean. You are washed from your sin when you are a child of God. And that's why when you lie, you feel the truth tugging at you. That's the Spirit of God saying, hey, you know the truth. You're washed. You're a different person. That's why when you act out in your lust, you begin to feel your rebellion and say, man, God, I shouldn't have done that. When you're harsh with your tongue, you begin to feel remorse and sorrow because you're a purified person. You're a new person. When you gossip, you're grieved because you know God's displeasure. This is all the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we've been sprinkled and washed. And as those who've been sprinkled and washed, we can draw near to God. We say, God, I'm coming to you. So often people say, you know, I'll come to God when I get my life in order. And you know how long that wait is. Until you take your last breath. But since Jesus was our perfect sacrifice, he says, come now. And when you come now, you will sprinkled and washed and purified before God as you work out this this, uh, Christian life in its journey. And as we do so, we can have full assurance of our faith. Because it's God who purchased us and we didn't earn it. We don't have to worry about losing it. It was God who did it for us. So the first thing he says, let us draw near because of Jesus. And secondly, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We know what it means to waver. We know what it means to to second guess ourselves. This past week, my my daughter got uh, these jelly beans from Five Below for for Christmas in her stocking. And they're called uh, bamboozled beans or something like that. And what they are, they're they're these identical looking beans 
One tastes good and one tastes like something horrible. So yeah, I got the one that was either tutti fruity or vomit. And she gave the one to me and I looked at it and I was beginning to waver. I said, I, I don't know if I'm going to follow through on this thing. But I thought like, you know, I'm the first one here. My kids are going to think I'm a, I'm a weakling, you know. So I put the thing in my mouth. First bite, knew right away it was barf, okay. And I'm like, I got to spit this thing out. But then, man, if I spit it out, they're going to see me as weak. So I just swallowed it as fast as I can. But you know how jelly beans get stuck in your teeth? So I'm just like, you know, I, I, got, I got bean boozled. And, and she says, all right, Poppy, let's do it again. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. I, my, I, I was wavering the first time. I know better now. You know what it's like to waver when you get two different job offers? Or you're looking between two different vehicles to purchase or what college major to choose. But we, we don't waver when we know the truth and we're established in it. If I knew that fruit was a tutti-frutti, there would be no question asked. But what made me waver was the potential of vomit. And what the writer to Hebrews tells us here is hold on to your faith, your confession of your hope, without wavering. So we can be confident in our eternal hope and not waver because we know it's established in Jesus and what he's accomplished and not on you and what you do. If your eternal life was dependent on your actions, you will waver all day long. But when your eternal life is based upon the eternal son of God, who in his perfection entered the holy of holies and made a sacrifice for all time by dying on the cross, when that's your hope, there's no wavering. There are many things in life that can cause you to waver and question where your confidence ought to be. You can begin to waver when you're confronted with disappointment, when you're confronted with suffering or tempted to despair, when you're fed ideas that feed your wayward heart. And as you look back in 2015, you're going to say, man, I I wavered at these different times. But even as you reflect on those hardships that maybe caused you to waver, take a step back and remember your high priest, who though you waver, he remains faithful. And his sacrifice covers your wavering. And he's saying, Now remain strong and continue on. Don't waver. Don't waver. Hold fast the confession of your hope. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. If God were faithless, then you better waver. Since he is faithful, you could be strong in him. Our God is so good to us. He gives us a great hope. How do we draw near to God? How do we hold fast our confession? How do we remember his goodness? Remember what Jesus has done for us? Well, there are certain things in a Christian life that feed our souls and nourish us within. And ultimately, this could all go under the umbrella of the word worship. Now, sometimes we're mistaken that we think worship is a matter of singing. That's part of it, but worship is not defined strictly by song. This is part of your worship right now because what worship does, it sets our gaze upon God and gives him glory. 
And yes, we could do that in song, but there are other ways we can do that. Yes, we could do it publicly, but you've got to do it privately. When you draw near, we're drawing near together, but you've got to go home and draw near to God in your own time, in the stillness of your days, and in the chaos of your days. That's the public and the private nature of worship. We worship God by praying and by fasting. See, prayer is God's opportunity for us to come to him and lay our burdens at his feet. Come to him and give him all the praise that he deserves. And as we think about this new year coming, I want to challenge us, and we'll talk about this again next Sunday, but I want us to take that first week, full week of the new year, I want you to fast and pray. The word fasting means to to withhold something, something important, something even necessary, in order to draw near to God. When we, when we withhold something like food, let's say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip my lunch break for, the, for those seven days, and instead of eating, I'm going to go to my car, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek God. I'm going to reflect on his goodness. We do that not so that God accepts us, because we've already said he's, we're accepted because of Jesus, but we do that because we want to draw near. We want to set aside those things that distract us. So this week, I want you to begin to think about what things can I set aside for, the next, for those seven days, January 3rd on? What are things I can lay aside, be it social media? Not your spouse. Can't, can't lay them aside for a week. Maybe social media or, or maybe it's a, a meal. Just something. Maybe, maybe whatever it is, whatever it could be, say, God, I want, I want these things to, that often distract me. I want to put them aside. So I can draw near to you. And when you draw near to him, think about what Jesus has done as you press rewind and you look ahead, fast forwarding to 2016. That's part of our pursuit. That's part of our worship. We do that through prayer and fasting. We also do that through this word, the word of God. This is why we say, if you don't own a Bible, take the one in front of you. And we mean that. We want you to have it. Because this is how God speaks to us. So often we want to hear God voice in our lives, and that's a good desire, but he has spoken, and his words have been written for us, and as we read the scriptures, God's talking to you. So as you draw near to him, as you hold fast your confession, you do so by being in his word, and people often ask, where do I start? And I often say, the book of Mark. Just pick up the book of Mark, we'll be preaching through it in the spring, start in chapter one, and get through all 16 chapters, maybe a chapter a day or a section a day, or a verse a day. But get in God's word as you draw near to God and say, God, teach me more of who you are and what you've done and who am I and what I do in light of what you've done. It's gospel fluency. We worship God through praying, through fasting, through his word, and yes, through song. You know, sometimes uh, there are things that can be expressed in song that can't be expressed in speaking. So develop a playlist when you're alone with God, and sing to him. When you're washing dishes, when you're in the car, draw near to him in the shower, that's right. (laughs) Wherever you're at, sing his praises, songs that are focused on Jesus and what he's done, not songs that are focused on us, but songs that are focused on him. That's part of your worship. So it's prayer, fasting, It's the word of God, it's songs, and lastly, it's community. We'll talk more about this next week. You've got to get people in your lives who love Jesus. 
Sunday morning is not adequate. It's not sufficient. It's not. You will fall away. You will waver. You can't hold fast if your diet is just eating for an hour and a half once a week. We've got to be with other brothers and sisters who when we come home and we're saying, man, I'm really discouraged, you drop them that text or you make that phone call and they'll say, let's look to Jesus. Let's look to our high priest where our confidence is because they can point you to him. We need one another as we journey together. See, when we set our eyes on Jesus, we can stay the course through storms and sunny days of life, drawing near to him and holding fast our confession without wavering. So as we go forth this week, I want you to do that. Take some time this week. Take 30 minutes, 20 minutes, and press rewind and see God's hand in your story through the morning, through the rejoicing. And then as you do so, look to your high priest. Say, Jesus, thank you that though I go all over the place, you remain the same. You are faithful. And because of that, I can have full assurance of faith. That's what we want to do this 2015 and into 16 week. Set your eyes on Jesus. He will never fail you. He is a good God. So we close here in prayer. I'm going to invite our worship team. You guys would come on up. And I want us to just take a moment, even in the stillness, begin to reflect. Even think about when, when will you do this? When will you take that time this week? Will it be tomorrow? Will it be today when you get home? Maybe it's Wednesday night. Whenever it is this week, when will you take a moment to press rewind and see God's hand? Because if we don't plan for it, it won't happen. So let's bow our heads and hearts. Mark that day, that moment in your mental calendar. Father God, as we look at the rearview mirrors this week, while also keeping our eyes out of the windshield. As we look at your hand in the past and what Jesus has done past, present, and future, we just ask for your help, God. Help us see your hand, God. Lord, I know there might be some today who at the thought of pressing rewind, it terrifies them. Help them see your goodness in the small ways, God in the sunshine, in the sleep, in the rest, in the laughter. May they just see your hand, God. And God, I also pray that they could set their eyes on Jesus who came for us, who stepped into the holy of holies and laid his body down and now through his blood and through the curtain of his flesh we can have access to you. May we be filled with gratitude seeing your grace in those ways. Help us draw near to you. Help us hold fast the confession of our hope and let us not waver knowing that you're faithful. So God, be glorified among us. For those who are far from you, God, may they see that Jesus is their substitute who bore God's wrath, who offers them forgiveness and adoption as sons and daughters. Give them new life even this day, we pray, as they surrender to you, turning from their sins. God, 
do this, we pray. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Family, let's stand to our feet. Invite our prayer counselors. Would you guys come forward to the front and to the back? The prayer counselors are always available for you to, uh, to come and bring your prayer burden to them. Maybe there's a resolve already, a resolution in your heart to draw near that you want to share with somebody. Come to them. They want to pray with you. Maybe you want to know what it means to trust in Jesus for the first time or to come back after you've been gone a long time. Talk to one of them. I know they're eager to pray with you. Let's sing this song of praise to our God, Jesus, who paid our sin and has given us life.